What if there's more to life than our current realm of existence? What if there's something behind the curtains of our emotions and the physical world? Would you open the door to go see it? Hi, this is Takatoshi Shibayama, the host of the Future Design Podcast. I run a blockchain solutions company, and I'm always searching for new technologies and ideas to improve ourselves and the world we live in. Today's episode is such a special one for me. I have Harry Sherwood, who's the founder of Consciously.org, who guides us into a world of meditation and emotional release. He takes us through what it is to connect to our whole self that is without the ego, the social mask, or identity. So Harry, thank you very much for being on our show. I've watched a lot of your podcasts and, and saw you on YouTube. So I have a, a good sense of who you are and how very warm and, and spiritual you are. You traveled around the world in Asia, China, Indonesia, and you even went to Africa and you spoke a lot and spent a lot of time with monks and yogis from all these different cultures and, and geographical locations. And at a, such a young age, because I'm looking at you and, and, you, and you're very young, and not that age has anything to do with spiritual awakened uh, people, but w- what has led you down to this spiritual path that you're going? Mm. Well, thank you for having me on. Uh, it is a pleasure. <sighs> you know, it really was in my teens, I was a jock, partier football player, chased women, had a lot of fun. But over time, it just started to wear on me. And it it felt like the walls started closing in. And there was this inner voice that just said, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your life. Uh, And so that mixed with there was always this inner part of me that was fascinated with anything outside of the norm, magic, spirituality, aliens, um, superheroes, all of the outside of current, my current reality in that moment, always sparked some sort of awe inside of me, this, this yearning. So this mixture of feeling like I was wasting my time with this yearning for what else is out there uh, sparked a journey, sparked a quest, I like to say. Um, and so it was really that it was, it was a mixture of a couple different inner feelings that's, that really it pushed me to search, hey, what are my, what are even my options here? Which landed me in China, which then landed me in the ashram, which landed me in a lot of different places throughout my journey. Um, but it was listening to that voice. And because a lot of the years I didn't, I pushed it to the side, but I finally said, okay, this, this feeling inside of my heart isn't going away. Maybe I should actually pay it a little bit more attention and see where it takes me. And it has been quite the journey since then. And reflecting on your life during your party days and your and your and what you were doing in your youth, what do you think that sparked that kind of inner voice in yourself? Because a lot of people can go through life without that inner voice at all. And what I find very interesting about you is that you're having this very interesting life. You're partying with your friends and you know just being a young person, but you also had this feeling inside that wasn't really satisfied with what you're doing. So, you know, what, what do you think that kind of sparked that inner voice? It's mm, a great question. I think it's a mixture of a few things. Number one, just the dynamics of my childhood, which are by no means 
rare. Uh, but I had a, a dad that wasn't there all that much. And when he was, he wasn't really there. Uh, I had a mom that really just didn't set a lot of boundaries, loved me to death, but didn't really know how to guide me in life. And so I felt lost. Uh, both my older brothers, especially at that age, um, were not making the best life choices. One of them wound up in and out of rehabs and so on and so forth and was an addict and, and for 20 plus years. And so I felt without direction uh, at, a, at a time in my life where I yearned for it more than anything else. Um, and, and so I think that's, that sparked this, I, I, this, this subconscious drive need to gain control, to gain direction, to find my way, um, which, you know, in, in a lot of ways has manifested itself uh, in a shadow perspective, if we're talking about psychology, uh, in a way that hasn't served me a lot. But in ways that has served me, which was, okay, well, what do the wisdom teachings of the worlds have to say? What are, you know, and I, it wound up sending me forward to find out, well, where can I look for, for guidance? What can show me the way? Um, and I think it's that mixed with just, there's an aspect of, of both my parents that were semi-spiritual that I was aware of when I was younger, um, and just different, like I said, that inner, that inner something that part of my my deep deep essence of self that was calling to me um and i'm i'm really grateful that i listened so i think it was yeah it was just a mixture of that that dynamic with my parents uh and this this inner calling right and with that inner calling you traveled around the world looking for answers and can you take us through how you went through that journey to find that spiritual awakening that you've obtained? Yes. Um, possibly a long story, so I'll make it, I'll try to make it somewhat short. Um, I left, so I originally, I, I was in college for a couple of years at this point. I was coaching high school football. Um, and then, so I left and I went to China and I went to the Henan province to study Tai Chi and Qigong with Shaolin monks. And I was there for four months. Um, and that was culturally a huge eye opener. It showed me a different way of life. It showed me, um, honestly, the main thing it showed me was that also there's a lot of similarities between different cultures. I was like, oh, they're, they're a lot like me but there's also a lot of differences and it wasn't the spiritual adventure I was looking for. Um, but it was fantastic and wonderful. And it really it taught me how to get outside of my comfort zone and to make do with just me. And I think that was actually really pivotal along the way because that set me off on this, whatever happens happens. Um, and it took the expectation out of the rest of my journey. And so the, then after that, I went back to the States, to California, and that's where I went and lived with yogis and monks uh, in an ashram, which is a community dwelling for, for monks, like a monastery, for six months. And that was hours of meditation every day, contemplation, service. And that was what I was looking for. That was this mystical, wonderful, deep, profound, spiritual journey. Uh, spiritual place to journey into. Um, and, I, you know, I would say there is really where I had my first 
expanded uh, state of consciousness experience, my first peek behind the veil, so to say. Uh, and that, I, you know, that really, and to that point, I had been studying spirituality for maybe a year and a half, not, not super long, um, and meditating some. But I had learned about enlightenment. I had learned about self-realization. I had learned about this, this state of samadhi or nirvana, you know, whatever spiritual tradition we want to point to and say, oh, this is maybe what they're talking about. It was all conceptual. It was all, that sounds fun. Let's do that. Um, I finally had an experience that was so impactful that I walked away from it. And I'm more than happy to share as well. I just don't want to take forever here. And I, I walked away from it, recognizing that other states of consciousness are not just as real as this waking consciousness, but perhaps based off of my experience, they're more real. There's an aspect of them that felt far more authentic and vivid then this waking consciousness. And so that, I think, that took that spark that was inside of me, that yearning, and it just poured lighter fluid on it. And it just became this roaring passion and fire. Um, and then after that, I went back to college, transferred to the University of Michigan, got a degree in religious studies, because that was the only thing that I could think to, to study to stay close to my time in the ashram. Uh, during that time, I went to Ghana for a month, studied that culture, uh, have some fascinating stories from them uh, and some of their spirituality and religion. Went to in Indonesia for a month. Uh, similar, that was a little bit different. Studied the, how globalization and westernization was affecting their culture. And I was also working for the program at that time. So I was facilitating a group of college students abroad um, and kind of working with the, the, the dynamics of that. Um, so both of those were fascinating. That led me to Thailand for a little while as well. Came back to the States. Then I moved, worked for a little while, moved back into the ashram a second time and for another five months. And that was, it was interesting because it was so different than my first stay in the ashram because I was a different person. It had been a few years. I had a lot of different experiences I had been practicing the techniques a lot longer at that point. I had had several peaks behind the veil at this point. Um, and I just, I think I was just more grounded in, in who I was. Um, I had started to find my way, so to say, that I was seeking when I was that, when a teenager. Had uh, a great time and I was gonna possibly stay there for the rest of my life and just become a monk. Obviously I decided not to, but it was pivotal. Um, and learned some techniques at that time that really uh, changed my perspective on spirituality. Then leaving, uh, met my partner, Melanie McDaniel, partner in life, partner in business, uh, six years ago now. And she had come to this, this path via healing from trauma, uh, which I was fairly unaware of. Um, you know, I, I had had certain experiences, but nothing to the extent that she had had. And so uh, that opened my eyes to a whole nother world and, and the dynamics of the psychology of abuse and things like that. So that really um, started opening my eyes even more. Um, and then just to fast forward a bit, just kept kept down the path of, of understanding and seeking, started teaching meditation, got back into sports performance coaching, started teaching nutrition, got involved with the mastermind, learned life coaching from there. Um, got involved with plant medicines and sat with psilocybin and ayahuasca and different plant medicines with indigenous cultures. 
um, continued to study meditation, went to 10 day silent retreats, uh, visited the ashram on and off, was able to, I uh, got involved with a Native American Lakota song circle and do some sweat lodges. And, and so to, to tie, to round back on your original question, uh, it really, what wound up happening was it was one thing unfolded into the next, into the next. There wasn't necessarily, like I had a lot of epiphanies and ahas, but there was never like this breakthrough where the veil was just torn away for good. Um, it was peaks that allowed me to slowly un untether, slowly unfold more and more and more uh, to where now at this point, I've, um, it's not a belief anymore. It's the knowing, um, but it's really, I've been humbled so deeply by it because it's so beyond profound and beyond me um, as, as this, this ego identity, Harry, that it's, it's the words can't capture its essence. And so um, I don't even know if I answered your question there, but that's, that's where I landed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um you know, you, you talk about, you know, spiritual awakeness by, you know, through meditation, and you also mentioned about doing plant medicine like ayahuasca. I mean, how, how does that um, help us to become more spiritual? So, you know, you, there are ways that we go about through life. Obviously, there might be in, events in our life that make us a bit more aware that we have to be more conscious about being spiritual but also there are ways that you can invoke that spirituality in you uh, through practices of meditation and, and you know, other methods. What is a good way do you think is to get into more con you know, conscious way of being spiritual? Mm -hmm. Honestly, for me, it starts with the question, what if? That question drives me and has driven me Real to really amazing things. Just what if? What if there was more to life? What if there was something else? What if I could experience it? What if this legend that is enlightenment was real and not just real, accessible? Let's just live in that what if for one moment. And really, if we let ourselves, our heart, if we let our heart go there, what is the feeling that comes up? For me, it's pure adventure, excitement, and awe. And so for me, that's the place to start. Do you, can you allow yourself to dream? Can you allow that five-year-old who wanted to go to the moon, who wanted to be a superhero, who wanted to be whoever they wanted to be, can you allow them to be a part of your life enough to let their curiosity, imagination, and adventure spirit play us a role? And I, th I think that's how we evolve. That's how we have breakthrough uh, inventions, innovations, discoveries. I think that's how people like Steve Jobs creating Apple, that's how Einstein, that's how, I mean, go as far back as you want. I think there's a common what if there's a common willingness to sit in what most likely I don't want to say most likely, but what maybe commonly was believed to be now that's just not true because it wasn't because it took stepping out of the, the current 
state of operation, mode of operation as a human, and, and really bent that, bent reality a little bit. And that's what meditation does. That's what plant medicines do is they force us outside of our current mode of operation and say, hey, here's, here's a different way of experiencing life and reality and yourself. And that's the most important part. And when we start to experience ourselves, our deep essence of self in a new way, we start to orient differently. And when we start to orient differently, we start to perceive things differently. And when we start to perceive things differently, we start to interact with things differently. And that's how our future can be changed. That's how we can truly create and evolve and dive into this spiritual shift, the spiritual connection. This what is, I mean, what does spiritual even mean? What is spirit? Well, let's find out, you know, for a lot of people for a long time, it was just completely faith-based, which is really powerful, but there, you know, I, once again, I pose the, what if, what if it could be something more? What if there could be a direct experience of it? Um, and that just fires me up. And so I think that's really where it starts is, is asking that question. Yeah. I think we always have this emptiness in our ourselves you know glass half full whatever you want to uh, call it and there's always this un, unmatched or, or 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 unsatisfied desires in us and maybe it, it is because we have lost that five-year-old self that we think we can fly we could do whatever we want and and now that we've shrank into an adult you know and think that we've we've lost the capacity to dream and our life is not very fulfilled why do you think that happens and how do we think we can really gain back those youthfulness inner minds mm. i love that shrank into an adult that's a very good way of putting it i think it has to do with uh, the orientation to life and that's on every level when we're born from the moment we're born, we are 100% dependent on our caregivers. We die without them. And so what we quickly learn is how to survive. So everything for the first six years of life is survival. And in that survival, it's recognizing I, I have to be over, and none of this is conscious, right? This is all subconscious experiencing, but it's, it's learning to adapt to my environment in order to thrive in my environment. And if my environment is programmed and every, all my caregivers, all of the education system, everything on every level is programmed a certain way, I'm gonna to adapt to that. And then my neurons are gonna to wire to that. And my entire being physiologically, emotionally, mentally are all going to form to fit that. And so it literally starts from day one is, well, I. I'm here, like, I need to survive. But, you know, I always say if we were born into a society where, like you were saying, like, if we could fly without, you know, just with ourselves and our energy, I'm sure we'd be, we'd adapt to that. If we could, you know, it's, it's just kind of, we're just falling into the current box of reality based off of our experience, our shared experience and our historical experience that has led us to science being where it is, that has led us to spirituality where it is, that has led us to certain things. And there have been those who have bent that, broken that, changed that, evolved that, devolved that. Um, and so I, I, some of us with the, a little bit deeper of a yearning to maybe challenge reality 
might look to things like that, might look to Buddha and talk about enlightenment, might look to Jesus Christ and might say, well, what if? Might look to science and say, what's this quantum physics stuff and how? what's it teaching us about the base of reality? Um, but it, to me, it's really we're, we're placed into a paradigm that forms us. And if we're going to break out of that, uh, it's, it might take more than one session of meditation right and it, it takes a lifestyle it takes a, it takes a shift in our in our mode of operation um and some people are called to that and some people not so much but i can tell you it's it's to me that's what a true adventurer is is they they lean on the boundary and they say i'm not so sure about this not in a this is bad way but like a i just doesn't feel like that's where reality ends I feel like there there might be something more, and those are the ones who break through it. And we talk about spirituality quite casually these days, but a lot of us can't really separate spirituality to religion. And I think that, and in another guest of mine in, in this podcast mentioned it, it really stuck in, in, in my mind is that the concept of God is so big that it, it can't just fit into one religion. And there's many forms of ways that we can find spirituality to, through different practices. So in your opinion, what do you think is the difference between religion and spirituality or do, do they interwine with each other or are they qu quite separate? Mm. So I think religion really has two aspects to it, or at least the modern religion that we're used to. One of them is the mystical experience or this expanded state of consciousness that I'm talking about that to me actually sparked religion. It is the, this experience of this greater reality, this deeper level of self and intelligence that encompasses reality that some have come back and called God. Um, and then there's the other aspect, which is the dogmatic um, form of morals and ethics that's created around a how to, how to live. Um, and I think that they're, they're, it's like a Venn diagram. They overlap, but they're not necessarily the same thing, and they're not fully separate. And so spirituality, to me, is much more the first one. And that's, it's the essence of why religion exists in the first place. But being that we are social beings that operate and in, in somewhat need to operate under law and at least common agreements, in order to function, that's where the other side of religion really came in. Um, unfortunately, in certain religions over time, it's become very corrupt and very influenced. Uh, and so it's, it's brought possibly as much darkness as it has light to the world. But I think what's happening is spirituality now, and at least in the modern sense, is, is there, this is starting to, they're starting to say, I want this, spiritual connection without this which is the the system behind uh religion so that to me is the difference and also just going back to you were saying about you know finding oneself through meditation and, and things um you know when, when i listen to a lot of people talk about uh meditation or doing plant medicine they talk about the breaking down of the ego can you walk us through a little bit of what that means? Because it's a little, it, we haven't done a lot of these things. I mean, it's di very difficult as a concept to grasp. Yeah, and, and if you said it was easy to grasp, I would challenge you and say, no, it's not. 
it's really powerful because the let's see what i can do here so within that formation of self that i talked about with surviving in our environment a part of that creates um basically a mask that we operate through in order to be accepted, be rewarded, be connected, be a part of the tribe, so on and so forth. And so that starts to form this picture, this, this I, lowercase s self, this identity that, oh, if I do this, if I do that, if I do this, then I will survive. I will be a part of my, my tribe, my group. And so that's a part of it. And then there's this other part where it's like, ooh, this doesn't fit. This is rejected. This isn't okay. This shouldn't be a part of my mask that I present to people. And that's to get pushed down a little bit. And that's really what Jung called the shadow. But both are a part of this experience of creating this identity. It's this formation of this um, character on, in a play, so to say. And the really interesting part about it is that it's, I mean, literally, it's our identity, right? So if we take that away, what's left? And some people say nothing. But spiritual traditions say, no, there's still something there. There's something that lies beyond that. And that is you in your truest sense. That's you in the depth of essence of self, capital S, capital S self. Um, and so what's interesting is that if you look at, at the constancy of change, pretty much everything fits that category except really one thing doesn't and that's consciousness and when i say consciousness here i mean like there's a part of you that from the moment you were born was just simply aware that's it it's like a video camera that's been running it doesn't identify with what it's recording it doesn't take on any it doesn't doesn't take on anything doesn't judge anything doesn't it's just the awareness it's been there since you were born it's still it's there right now it's the part of you that's aware that i'm talking you don't have to do anything to activate it. It's just this consciousness, this depth beyond the mind. And so in these spiritual experiences, what winds up happening is that we start to step deeper into that awareness beyond identity. And we start to recognize, oh, I have thoughts and emotions. I'm not them. I have this identity. I'm not it. And so that's really like the beginning of this process, the beginning of the, oh, interesting, there might be a gap here. There might be, I, I can see where there might be a deeper sense of self. And then there's the really bigger, bigger experiences where this sense of self is dissolved. It's destroyed, it dies. You know, death of the ego is a big thing in a lot of spiritual traditions. Um, and I've experienced something akin to that. And it was literally as if me, Harry, was torn to shreds. And all that was left was this deep essence of being. And it was the first time that I ever felt whole. It was the first time that no one was home. Harry wasn't there, wasn't judging, thinking, categorizing. It was just pure experiencing, pure being. And there was no need. There was no want. There was nothing that was out of sorts. Life as it is was perfect. And that's really 
what Buddha teaches. There's suffering. Suffering's caused by this ego thing, desire, attachment. There's an end to it. And that end is really transcending those things, meaning transcending the identity, transcending the ego. And so it is very conceptual at first, especially since we're sitting in the identity as we're hearing this. But there are those moments that people have of that two, three seconds of stillness, of awe, of presence, that start to say, oh, there, there's really, there's something behind all of this. There's something deeper. And that's why I always say the deep essence of self um, beyond, the, beyond the ego. Wow, that's very profound. So in, in, this, in this moment where you feel like, that you're this spirit, you're this soul that has no identity anymore, with that awakeness in mind, you know, what does fulfillment or success or happiness mean to you? Mm. Really that it's, it is my opinion that any lack that exists within our psyche, within ourselves, any disconnect, any, anything that we resist essentially is us searching for this wholeness I'm talking about, searching for this depth of self. And we, we try to find it a lot of places. We try to find it in financial success and, and having a family and kids and try to find it in our health and looking a certain way. We try to find it in fitting, you know, the social media categories. We try to find it in whatever it is. Like fill, fill the, I mean, you could probably fill in 50 different things right now. And, and it's true. Um, and there's a reason why a lot of people who do achieve those things never feel fulfillment, never feel whole. It's like a, it's like a piece of the puzzle that's perpetually missing. Um, and because I think they're looking for it in the wrong places and I think it's within, and I think it's this deep connection to ourselves. Um, and that's a part of the mode of operation that we're currently operating in is to seek things externally especially Western, the Western perspective or Western influence perspective. And um, it creates a, I'll be enough when, I'll be, I'll be fulfilled when, I'll be whole when, I'll be successful when, not now, when, then, over there, when I found it. Uh, and that it to me is just this, this self, this deep essence of self. And I can tell you that when I experienced it fully, when I, and I've had several beautiful experiences, but only really one. Now, a couple, but one, one that was, it was the it that I was looking for my entire life. And in that moment, like I, I cried for 40 minutes straight. Uh, it was, I wish it upon every person in this world. And it was, it, it was just wholeness. That's, that's the word is this pure light of wholeness. And it was me. And, and in that moment, I understood that every yearning I ever had, every breadcrumb I followed to follow the awe or the spirit or the magic or the superpowers was for this. Uh, and I experienced it. And that's really when I understood like, oh, this is what we're all looking for. This, this is it. This is the it. This is the it that we're all looking for. And we're all looking for it in different ways. Um, 
but there's not a ton of guidance to it. So honestly, it's it's no wonder that a lot of people are caught up in all these different ways because that's what's marketed to them. That's what's in our faces all the time. Um, but it's disconnection from from this sense of self. Yeah, that's very interesting. I really resonate that with uh, a lot, even though I haven't had the experiences in the the journey that you went through. But you know, it, it really touches me a lot. And through your teachings uh, in your business, Conscious.org, uh, what do you teach your, your students, your, the followers that you have? What is it that you're trying to give to this world? Mm. So it's Consciously.org. Consciously, sorry, sorry. No worries. Um, so we teach meditation and we teach it in a couple couple different formats but um it's they're merging together more we had a secular section and then we had a spiritual one now they're kind of just blurring together because a lot of people are they're like as long as i get results i don't care what it is um which is really a deep passion of mine obviously uh we teach plant-based nutrition and that's for a couple of reasons when i lived with the monks they were vegetarian uh, and so I wanted to make sure that I was healthy. Also, being sports performance coach for a while, uh, I had a, a sports nutrition perspective of things. And so I wound up stumbling across plant-based nutrition and really learning that being plant-based can be extremely healthy if done the right way. Um, and just the vibrancy and the health of life. Uh, the monks used to talk about it's, you know, if we're all energy and we're all vibrational frequency and we're putting this very, very high frequency, this very, very healthy food into our bodies, it's only going to help us connect. It's only going to, you know, get rid of the blockages faster. And so it was very, it was, it was a cognitive and emotional and spiritual approach, not just physical. So we teach plant-based nutrition. Uh, we do life coaching, which is, Hey, where are you today? Where do you want to be in five years? And how can we design a road to get you there? Um, and as much as we can, we'll, we'll take that five-year thing, five-year goal, and we'll break it down into, okay, what can I do today? Literally today. What's my first step? I'm, I can go on Google and I can research this topic. Cool. That's step number one. Like, that's a big step. And we like to do micro steps that lead to macro steps over time. Uh, and then the fourth aspect is emotional release. And this is becoming a larger and larger and larger part of our practice because uh, this is, it's really where the rubber meets the road for a lot of people because emotions were so emotionally unintelligent. Um, we don't, we aren't necessarily in this, we is very generalized, um, but a lot of the population that we come across um, just aren't taught how to process emotions, how to be with emotions, how to unpack emotions, how to uh, just really learn to, to let go of the baggage that they've been carrying, whether it was from 30 years ago or from last week when so-and-so said something that you just can't get over. Um, and it, it can be a blockage, a very big brick wall in our path to our top of the mountain. And so we really mix all those together, and that's we call it holistic life coaching. Uh, because the physical, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual all impact each other. And that's becoming a very common understanding nowadays because we do realize, like, even just, um, so I'm a heart math trainer, and a part of that is, okay, so we're going to measure your heart rate variability and your heartbeat during this stressful experience. 
okay, what happened? Okay, they this couple got in an argument. Okay, look, his his heartbeat went from you know 80 beats per minute to 140, and then came back down and only came down to about 95 for the next hour. What did he describe? Oh, stressful interaction. All right, so stress caused his heart to elevate for an hour. And what that does to the adrenals and the cortisol release, what that does to us mentally and the mental fatigue and the emotional fatigue, they're all connected. And we, we now realize this. Um, so it's, it's bringing those together, meeting someone where they are. And we work in groups as well as individuals, have a meditation group uh, that meets twice a day. I run a separate meditation mastermind group and then work with one-on-one -on -one with several people usually for a minimum of six months because things take time. Everyone wants the magic pill. We say, look, forget about the magic pill. There is a magic lifestyle and it's going to look different for you than it's going to for me, right? Meditation might be your thing. It might not. It might be something you incorporate here or there, but it's something I love. Okay, well, let's find out what you love and what works for you. So we're, we're, we tinker tailor with each person uh, over time. Thank you very much for sharing your story and, and it was very inspiring for me and I'll definitely want to look you up more as you uh, or even your, your uh, consciously.org as well because I'm, I'm quite interested now. Um, well, thank you again for, for your time and I really appreciate the conversation that we had. Thank you for having me on. It was wonderful. Uh, and I, you know, I want to reflect back to you that I think it's podcasts like this that are sparking the what if, are sparking the adventurous spirit and people and hopefully, whether it's this one or it's many of the others you've had, it might just be that one thing that 10 years later, someone takes action on something because of something they heard here. So I wanna reflect and thank you for, for doing this because it, it, it has a far reaching impact. Hello everybody. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you had enjoyed or disliked the show, please let me know in the comment section. I can only improve or add value to you through your voices. If there are any topics that you'd like me to pick up, please let me know in the comment section as well. I'd love to start chatting with you. And if you'd like to continue listening to the show, please subscribe. Thank you.